So I did things a little bit backwards. So like you said, most people come up with an idea. Then if you research online, you understand that in order to get a book deal, what you typically do is you write a book proposal and then you send it to agents and the agents pitch it to publishers. That's, I feel like the traditional route. By the time I came to you, I had already written my manuscript. Welcome to the Become a Media Maven podcast. Today, I am chatting with my friend, Amanda Tice. Now, fun fact, Amanda and I first met in 2007. We were both reporters at News 12 The Bronx. And I remember specifically when we were working there, I told her she should be a model. And she was like, I'm not going to be a model. Well, fast forward, she turned into a model. And she's modeled for clients like Nordstrom's, Target, Saks, Hanes, um, with JLo and Oprah Magazine, all of the places. And she also became a mom a few years ago. She reached out to me, as you'll hear in the podcast, about writing and publishing a book. I referred her to a podcast episode here, which I will link to in the show notes for this episode with Azul. It was titled Steps to Writing a Book in 30 Days. And she actually started working with Azul. She has written and published her first book. And in this episode, she is going to take us through the process of idea to manuscript to editing and finding a publisher. So I hope you enjoy this podcast episode with my friend, Amanda Tice. Ever wonder how some people seem to get all the media coverage, but you don't? Go behind the scenes with a TV reporter, national on-air host, and news contributor who has interviewed celebrities, took you inside the Versace mansion, and even stood on a chair to interview basketball legend Alonzo Mourning. Get ready, because Become a Media Maven is the podcast where Christina Nicholson is sharing secrets from her years in front of the camera, in the editing booth, and now behind the podcast mic. Hi, Christina. It's so nice to see you. So nice to see you. Okay, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube and not listening on the podcast, just don't look at me. Look at Amanda. Like, I show up to... I show up to an interview with a literal model with a hair, my hair in a top knot and no makeup on my face. Like clearly I'm an idiot. So just look at Amanda. Cause she's the model of the situation. No, I just think that means that you own it. You're comfortable with yourself. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I mean, I, you know, I feel like makeup sometimes is just not necessary, right? That's easy for a literal model to say. <laughs> You're one of those people, like on Instagram, I see models, like no filter, like no shit. You're a model. You don't need a filter. <laughs> you have perfect skin. Um, okay. Tell people how you started modeling. Like this is something, okay. I just have to plug myself for started, starting your modeling career because we met at News 12, the Bronx. And while we were there, I said, Amanda, you should be a model. And I distinctly remember you saying, I don't want to be a model. I don't want to like live off of celery and carrots my whole life. Like that's what you said. (laughs) And I was like, well, you look like a model. You could be a model. And then fast forward. I don't know how many years you're in O magazine. You're like modeling JLo stuff. You're on the tag of Spanx. Like I like wish to- I was on the tag of Spanx. But you I, were. I, I saw I, you on the tag of something I've, like I've Spanx. Never, I've never worked. I've never worked for Spanx. Okay, well, you're on the tag I of something like Spanx. For Hanes and Vanity Fair Intimates and a ton of lingerie brands. I mean, okay. I'm not sure it was one of them. It was one Spanx, of them. Spanx is on my is on my you know client want list. 
you know what else you should go after is one of the Kardashians brands because they use models of all shapes and sizes. Oh, you're talking about skims. Skims or Good American. Yes. I did a little thing for Good American with social media a long time ago. And of course that was great. Did. I actually loved their jeans. I've heard good things. I haven't tried them though. Okay. We digress. I know we digress. Sorry. We, di- we digress before we even get started, but <laughs> talk to, okay. Talk to us. Okay. Obviously we're going to talk about writing and publishing your first book, because this is something that you have done. And I feel like blessed because I've kind of been like, kind of like knowing what's going on with it in the background, because I introduced you to your book, like from the very beginning, you reached out and you're like, Hey, I want to write a book. What do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. Go talk to this guy. And that kind I know. of led to one it, thing and led to another. If it weren't for you, I would not be sitting here today. I mean, you basically sent me to your podcast to listen to your interview with Azul and on your podcast with Azul, he said, you know, if you have questions or you're looking for a book coach, you can find me on Instagram or whatever. So I, I actually, my first interaction with Azul was through a DM on Instagram and that's how this whole relationship began. And of course I said, I knew you, which helped. Um, but I don't think I would be sitting here right now if it weren't for you. So I have to say thank you to you for all of that. Oh my gosh. I just made like an introduction. Um, a huge introduction. And on top of that, I feel like the content on your podcast is so inspiring because you're always talking about how you actually have to get out and hustle and people don't want to put in the work. And no. sometimes that hustle is doing things that are a little bit more, you know, circuitous. And what I mean by that is instead of like trying to find his email address and send him whatever, it's like, okay, I'm just going to DM him on Instagram, Right. It's like such an odd way to actually find a publisher. I feel like that's the way you do it now. I feel like, I feel like I, because as you know, I'm a big reader and I'm like connecting with these authors and going back and forth with them on Twitter just because like, that's the way it is. I don't know. Okay. Let's, let's talk about how you get the idea to write this book. So you were a TV reporter for a hot minute. That's how we met. Yes. And then you are like this supermodel traveling the world in bikinis, showing people what's up. <laughs> and, and then you were like, you had a baby and you were like, yes. let me write this book about a lot of things. Like, how did you yes. get this? Tell us how you got the idea to write the book and what is like in it where you were like, I have to write a book about this because there's a million bajillion mom books out there. But this one is a little bit different because it is based on some of your experience modeling and body positivity and all of the things. So tell me about it. Well, the one thing I noticed with a lot of books that are on the market is they're all focused on parenting for the most part. So it's all about how to take care of your baby. This is what's happening to your baby. This is how you should parent your baby, et cetera, et cetera. But there just are not very many books about what the mother is actually experiencing. Sure, there are books about pregnancy and how the baby's growing inside of you and hormones you might have while you're pregnant. But then after you give birth, there are all these questions of like, okay, what's normal? I mean, in certain cultures and societies, I feel like there's a lot more support for moms, but I don't think that's the case in the US. And for me, 
when George was about, I would say maybe three or four weeks old, I remember taking him out for a walk and it was late at night because I couldn't get him to sleep and I just wanted him to pass out. And I was on the verge of crying and I was like, why didn't anybody tell me that this was going to be what motherhood is really like, especially with your first baby? I mean, it's just so overwhelmingly shocking. You know, there's nothing that can possibly prepare you for motherhood. And it's interesting because in my book, I do talk about the concept of matricence. And a lot of people don't know what that is. Do you know what matricence is? Never heard of it. Okay. So matricence is actually an anthropological term for the transition the mother goes through from being pregnant to having a baby. And no one really talks about the fact that it is similar to the push of adolescence because you have emotional, biological, spiritual, uh, psychosocial changes in your fundamental personality that happen. And every time you have an additional baby, you go through another stage of matricence. So no one talks about how this is like a real anthropological, full body, full mind transition that you go through when you become a mom. Like it's legit science. It's legit science. Yes. And I, you know, for me, part of the reason I decided to write this book or I wanted to write this book was because I just felt like there were so many topics that moms were afraid to talk about to each other that are so normal that needed to be normalized. You know, for whatever reason, all these topics are taboo. No one wants to talk about, you know, what breastfeeding is really like. No one wants to talk about how they're extremely lonely or burnt out. No one wants to talk about postpartum sex. I mean, I think these things are important topics and moms just feel so alone in their experience, especially the first, I don't know, couple years, because they think that they're the only one experiencing this and everyone else has it together. And that's just not the case. I mean, the good thing is that, you know, since I started writing this book, a lot has changed from a social media perspective. There's a lot more transparency in terms of motherhood. Um, but when I started writing it two years ago, there was just nothing out there. I mean, it was all social media was, was picture perfect, you know, uh, picture perfect kind of ideologies of what motherhood should be. And now we're kind of edging towards a, okay, this is what motherhood is really like sort of a concept when it comes to social media, but it's still not there yet. The fact that, you know, for example, most people don't know what matricence is, I think is a fundamental problem socially and culturally. So when were you like, I mean, you could have just started a Facebook group. You could have just like called your friends, done, you know, some Instagram challenges, which you have done that in the past. But when were you like, let me just write a book on this. Wait, I don't know the first thing about writing a book or getting it published. Like, tell me about that process besides like just reaching out to me and be like, Hey, I have this idea. I mean, that's really, I guess that was your first step, right? You reached out to me. You said, Hey, I have this idea. Like, what do I do about it? Like, I guess, talk me through that whole process because I personally have so many book ideas, but I haven't moved on any of them. I did write a book proposal. I sent it out to a few people. I spent maybe two months doing that. And then I just stopped. Like so many people I feel are that. Like they have so many ideas for books 
And either they know it's a lot of work and they don't want to put in the work without a guarantee of a reward at the end, or they just don't know what the hell to do. So for you, what was pulling the trigger like? So I did things a little bit backwards. So like you said, most people come up with an idea. Then if you research online, you understand that in order to get a book deal, what you typically do is you write a book proposal and then you send it to agents and the agents pitch it to publishers. That's, I feel like the traditional route. By the time I came to you, I had already written my manuscript. So I remember I that you did. Yeah. So I wasn't in a stage where I was like, what is this book? What is this book going to be? How do I flush out this idea? In my head, I already had the majority of the book done. I mean, yes, I've gone through a pretty rigorous editing process with Azul, um, just through his, you know, network and Mandala Tree Press. But, you know, I was a little bit unusual in the sense that I had completely written my manuscript already. And I, my process was a little bit different because I really love writing. So I like sharing stories. I feel like I have funny stories. I feel like I have a lot of advice to provide to other mothers in a very approachable, real way. And I think that's how a lot of people want their information. You know, this book is kind of like a merger between being very approachable, but also giving you some facts that help to confirm, you know, the advice that I'm giving. And I also felt like, you know, going back to talking about parenting books and motherhood books, I feel like books are great. You read the information and then there's no actionable thing that you feel like you can do with that information. So part of what also sets this book apart is that there are journal prompts that you can do after every chapter to reflect on how you feel about whatever that topic is. And then on top of that, I also give you a fun exercise that you can do that helps you really get in touch with, you know, why you are maybe feeling a certain way about yourself and how to actively make a change in your behavior or in your mindset so that you can move forward and feel confident in whatever that space may be. So when you wrote the book, you were you thinking ahead like about publishing about making money because i had i had somebody on my podcast um i remember i recorded it in the closet so it would have been like hardcore shutdown time um <laughs> savannah carlisle and her real name is christy dosh she's a friend of mine and she was writing some fiction books And she's writing these books, you know, with fiction books, you don't write a proposal, you write the whole damn thing and you hope somebody likes it and gives you a deal. And I'm like, how are you spending? That's so much time and energy to spend writing a book, not knowing what's going to happen. Like when you were writing this manuscript, were you thinking of like, what if this goes nowhere? What am I going to do with this when I'm done? To be honest, it was not money driven. So, you know, when I wrote the book, it was more for me about getting the message out of moms not feeling alone. And I just, you know, I think everyone or not everyone, but I feel like a lot of people want to make some sort of contribution to the world in some capacity. And for me, I just felt like I want to be that, you know, best new mom friend that every woman needs by reading this book so that you can pick up this book and not feel alone and feel like you have a certain amount of guidance. And so for me, I was like, great, if I write this manuscript and send it to five of my friends and it makes them 
feel good or change their perspective on something or impacts them in some real way, then all that time will have been worth it. So, you know, for me, it really wasn't, it hasn't been money driven. I think, you know, sure, that's one way to look at it, but I think it needs to always kind of be the other way around. So instead of searching for success and then working your way backwards, I think it's more important to start with what do you really love and enjoy and pour your energy and heart into that. And once you do that, usually the success comes. So I feel like it's the other way around. People kind of focus on the wrong thing when it comes to you know, either their profession or what their long-term goals are. Sure. Everybody wants to be successful, but just wanting to be successful doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily be good at whatever it is to get that type of success. Right. So I always feel like it's better if you try to choose something that can be impactful, but they can also really make you feel good. Like the thing about this book is it makes me feel good because in theory, hopefully I'll be helping a lot of other mothers. And I can't think of a better way to contribute to the world because I think moms are superhuman, amazing people, you know? So when you reached out to Azul, what was your initial goal and did through conversation with him, did it change and how did it change? So my initial goal was just to kind of figure out how to get a publisher, how to get it out there. You know, he wanted me to be very clear about what this book meant to me and what my goals were for the book. Um, He was really great about, you know, giving me clarity on the way I wanted to publish the book, meaning whether did I want to self-publish it? Did I want to go to a traditional publisher? Did I want to use a publisher like him? And what each of those uh, avenues looked like? Because they're all very different. And I think as someone who had no experience in, you know, being an author or about the publishing world in general, he was a great person to connect with because he really knows the industry inside and out. And he's so wonderful that he offers, you know, free advice, at least at the beginning to, you know, help you figure out what it is that you really want and help you reach that goal. And he just does it because he's a kind, loving, wonderful person. And then if it looks like it's a good fit, it it makes sense to keep going on your journey with him. So I have nothing but wonderful things to say about him and highly, highly recommend him. And when you worked with him, did you, because a lot of people, they write a book and then they want to publish it, but there's lots of editing that has to take place. Like I just know through being in a mastermind with Azul and Steve, his partner, that a lot of people will come into a situation either with a book or with an idea and through working with him, some things change. Right. So how did that work for you? I think the editing process was great, but then again, I was also very open. I think you have to be, when you're done with your manuscript, it is hard to be like, oh, yeah, I'm done. And then realize, oh, no, I'm not really close to being done. I, I'm close, <laughs> but I'm not that close, right? <laughs> so, you know, there's like, you know, there are phases of uh, highs and lows, especially because you can be like, oh, I really thought that that, you know, chapter or that story was extremely compelling or I really loved it. And then you have an editor read it and they're like, it's fine. You could use it, but it might be better if you did this instead or wrote about this, or this would be 
more relevant to what you're discussing in this chapter. So for sure, there was a lot, there were lots of extra hours of not only adding to my book. I mean, there were, when I came to him with what I thought was my finished manuscript, there were, I think about 13 chapters. And by the time it was all said and done, I was at, I'm at 17 now. So I did add a lot more to the book. I think the book also has a lot more dimension now because I they suggested that I add more perspectives from other mothers. And I think that was an important element that I probably should have done beforehand, but hadn't really put the time and energy into. So the editing process was great because what it does is it actually makes your book that much stronger. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to be publishing a book, you want to put out the best possible piece of work that you can, right? You know, anything worth doing is worth doing well, you know, as (laughs) as they say. So it was kind of like, sure, if I wanted to do the, you know, and the only word I can think of is half-ass version. I was going to suggest that word. I use that word a lot. (laughs) Then I I could have self-published. And then what my book would have been was what it was when I had finished my manuscript. And I just think that my book is so much stronger and better now, having gone through this process, than it would have been had I chosen to self-publish. For people who are thinking about writing and publishing a book, and we haven't even gotten to the publish and the promotion part yet. So just up until the publish promotion part, talk to me about the time commitment. Like, were you blocking off a couple of hours a day? Were, I mean, what was the time commitment? Because this sounds like something that is super time consuming that you have to like be in the zone to execute. Time commitment in terms of writing the book, editing the book, or what, what in particular are you asking? Let's do writing and then editing. So the writing took me, you know, about two years to complete the book. So it and were you just doing it like when the mood struck you or were you like regimented about it? No, I was definitely doing it when the mood struck me <laughs> because I feel like a lot of my book was written, you know, two o'clock in the morning on iPhone notes because it would be, I'm one of those night owl people. I would just get a flash of an idea or, you know, ideas would come to me and I was like, no, this is what moms want to hear about. They want to hear about my crazy sleep uh, problems with George, right? Because I'm sure I'm not the only one going through them. Uh, So a lot of my inspiration really came from living it, right? So it would be something that George did or said, or a phase he was going through that then inspired me to write a chapter and then find a way to work through whatever that problem was and then devising exercises that would be good for solving that problem. So yeah, no, it did not. I I wish I could say, oh, I set aside two hours every day for X number of months and I was able to write a book. For me, that I that is not how the process went. It was all driven by my real life occurring and finding humor in whatever was going on and turning that into a story with advice, journal prompts and exercises. So it did, you know, it took a long time. And for me, it was actually much better that it took a long time because I wouldn't have had the same perspective writing this with a two-year-old as I do with now an almost Mm five-year-old. So I can remember what was going on, 
during that stage, that newborn crazy stage and the first year stage, because I have the stories from it from two years ago. Um, and then being able to reflect on it as a parent of a five-year-old now. So I think, I think that's important in terms of the editing process. You know, I'm someone who I feel like I can't have something sitting in my inbox waiting. I hate that feeling hate of, it. I, I, of like, okay, it's looming over my head. So for me, instead of, you know, carving out, let's say two hours a day uh, to write and edit and do what I needed to do in order to finish that part of the project, I would really just clear my schedule for a week. And then I would write for six or seven hours a day and then re-edit and write and re-edit and write. And I do, I guess I'm lucky in the sense that I have that ability to hyper-focus. So I was able to get my editing done in a pretty, in a fairly quick way because I really just sat down and said, okay, I'm gonna make myself a cup of coffee and I'm going to sit here for six hours straight and write and edit and write and edit and ask questions to the editors and write and edit and write and edit. Um, so I was able to complete a lot of the edits within a two week period of time, I would say. I mean, I know, I know that's not feasible for a lot of people to just be like, I'm just going to clear my schedule and focus on this. But because I have the career that I do, which is pretty flexible with work, you know, I could dedicate that time to writing. And, you know, if I was modeling, which a lot of my a lot of my chapters were also written on airplanes, you know, that's a perfect time to like sit down and really focus on something because, you know, for the most part, airplane rides are pretty boring. So there's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else to do. So I I always tried to capitalize on the time when I was on an airplane to write and especially because I had so many international flights. So it'd be like 17 hours of flying. So, you know, I I got, I got a lot of time to try to occupy and writing for me does is very time consuming. So it'd be a great time for me to sit down and really reflect on, you know, what topics I wanted to cover and go back and reread what I'd written and then how I could build upon that in different ways. And I also think it's important to add that during that time, when you were doing the editing, you also had a coach to kind of point you in the right direction. And he probably gave you like, for lack of a better word, homework, like this is what you need to do next and like a roadmap. So you had some guidance and accountability. For sure. But Azul doesn't, you know, at that point in the process, Azul isn't the person who really coaches you. So he has editors that he outsources and they're different types of editors. Um, So the developmental editor, for example, is the one who really looks at your entire book and decides, hey, you know, maybe you want to talk about this or maybe this isn't as relevant. And she looks at everything from a big picture. And then you start going into the editors that are more focused on, "Uh, I don't know if like the syntax of this works or the formatting is right or, you know, the cohesiveness maybe about, you know, a certain chapter or a certain paragraph. So each editor has a different job. And luckily you don't get all of the editors at the same time, because I think that would be extremely overwhelming just because of the number of notes and changes you would need to have to make. So Azul really structures his program so that 
you have one editor who starts with you and then you get another editor and another editor and they all really work together to give you the final product. And that's writing. Publishing, you decided to publish with Azul's company, which is, explain to me how, I think you kind of mentioned he was like an in-between self-publish and in-between traditional publisher. He's, um, what is it called? You would know more than me. I mean, I would just call it indie publishing. Indie publishing. I mean, that's what I I would call it because he's a smaller, you know, or a boutique publishing. Right. Um, The difference between... In my opinion, the difference between Azul and a major publisher is that he offers a publishing option that is all-encompassing. And what I mean by that is, let's say you go to HarperCollins or one of those really major publishing houses. Nowadays, with first-time authors, they don't necessarily invest a lot of money into you. unless You're on your own. Yeah. Unless you're a celebrity, right? Yeah. Um, So, you know, they may give you a book deal or not just offer to publish your book. Um, And then they may only print, let's say a thousand copies. And then you're completely in charge of the marketing, publicity, et cetera, with the exception of them maybe posting it on their Instagram platforms or through their networks. But Azul's program is so different because not only is he giving you step-by-step editors, then you are also getting to see your cover design and be involved with your cover design and then the layout of the interior of, of your book. And then on top of that, he has his own marketing team and his own in-house publicist and his own in-house PR. So it's really more of a full service uh, publishing route than a traditional publisher would be. And then self-publishing, I mean, you're on your own. (laughs) I mean, you know, you can put it out there. And if you're someone who's really good at social media and PR, and you want to have complete control of your book, then self-publishing is a great option. But it just, I needed someone to hold my hand and Azul was the right person for me. We also just had a really great connection. So even though initially I was like, oh, well, I want to try to go with a, a major publishing house. I just had such a great connection with him that I was like, why? I, I don't need to go that route. If I already feel so good about our relationship and think that we can work so well together, I'm going to end up with the best outcome if it's someone that I really connect with. So, you know, when he offered me, you know, book deal, I was like, yes, hundred percent. You're the right connection for me. So what does that look like now as far as promoting and selling your book? So, you know, I do have a publicist, which is great. Uh, We're just getting into the process of that. So I can't necessarily speak to what this is going to look like in a month because I'm already, uh, it hasn't launched yet. So I'm not in it. I'm not in the thick of it just yet. But for me, you know, that's trying to do podcast interviews. That's using my personal connections to post on social media. That's hopefully getting copies of my book early and having people post with them. It's trying to drive pre-sales as much as possible and just get people excited about the book, which is really fun, actually. I was was totally overwhelmed yesterday because I posted on a local mom's Facebook group about my book and I'm doing a launch party in January. Um, 
And I really wanted to support local mom owned businesses. So I said on this chat, like, Hey, I'd really love to include a bunch of mom owned businesses to either do pop-ups or provide promotional codes in my swag bags, et cetera, et cetera. And the response was insane. I mean, I can't believe the number of local moms who are running successful businesses who want to be a part of this, who have this synergy for wanting to support other mothers. I just think it's, it's amazing. It's just exciting for me that there are so many people who are interested not only in my book, but in supporting each other. And, you know, moms are so great to each other. They just need to have an open channel of communication in order for things to really happen. And you have such a great positive attitude as well that I'm sure people sense that. Um, so like the fact that you're like, Oh, the promotion part is fun. I feel like a lot of people would let it stress them out. And you're also not afraid to ask for what you want and to put yourself out there, which I'm sure comes from, I mean, when you're working news, that's a heartless business. Oh, yes. I can't even, I can't even imagine what you have faced being a model. That, that's another podcast for another day. I want to yeah, hear those for stories. Sure. That's a whole, that's a whole other. I want to hear those stories. Do some of those stories make it into the book? Not, not really, but sure. There is a high degree of rejection that happens. Not only when you are a TV personality and you're trying to interview someone that they're uncomfortable talking about something, but for sure in my modeling world, I mean, I I've been rejected thousands of times right? If you think about it thousands of times. Yeah. But I don't think of it that way. I guess for me, I really try to look at it as you won't get anything unless you ask and asking for help when you need help is really important. So I'm never afraid to ask the worst anyone can ever say is no. Right. And if it's no, it's no, then you come up with a different solution. You try something else. You talk to a different person. Not everyone's going to say yes. Rejection is just kind of part of the whole game. You know who would love your book, who's also in Austin, and she also has a very big popular podcast, is Lauren Everett's with the Skinny Confidential. Oh, you need to. Well, I'm I'm open to any. (laughs) Yes, I think you should. You should 100% send her a book and then the Bookstagram community. Like anybody who is any mother to young children. Find them on hashtag bookstagram and just send them books. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. Yeah. It's just, you know, it. right now I'm I'm waiting with bated breath for my author copies to arrive so that I can start sending them to people. So I'm like, I hope it comes soon. I hope it comes soon. Because I'm I'm so excited to get it out there and promote the physical copy. I did, Azul was very nice and he gave <gasps> me. This is the actual copy of the book. So I was like very excited about getting this. How amazing was it when you saw that for the first time? Like you're holding it. That's so weird. Wild. I, I couldn't, I couldn't process it also because he kind of not ambushed me, but kind of ambushed me with it (laughs) because we were going into a meeting with Barnes and Noble. So my head was all thinking about how am I going to pitch Barnes and Noble to do the signing? Yeah. How did you hold on back up? Explain (laughs) how this happens. 
So this happens a little bit differently than I would have ever expected. I, in my head was like, oh, I'm going to have to reach out to Barnes and Noble corporate. I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to have to put together this pitch. And it did not go like that at all. So what I actually did was I called the local Barnes and Nobles, the one that I wanted to do the book signing, where I wanted to do the book signing. And I said, you know, can I speak to the manager? I'd like to talk about the potential of doing a book signing at your location. And at first they were like, we're not doing any. And I was like, I'd really like to speak to the manager, <laughs> you know, <laughs> again, like, asking. And, and I was like, could you give me a con- the contact information for the manager? Cause I was just very pushy with this person on the phone. And they were like, okay, I have the manager's email. I'll give you the manager's email. So I, you know, got her email address. And then I put together a comprehensive pitch of what I wanted to do for my launch event. And, you know, it included details about me, about the book. Um, I'm also doing a launch party that's directly across the street, which helps. Uh, it's at the Bee Cave Arts Foundation in, you know, in Bee Cave, Texas. And I said, hey, I really just want to sit down with you and talk about the option of doing this and having this collaborative event. And they looked at my proposal. I had to follow up multiple times. <laughs> as, as expected. And she said, okay, great. Let's sit down and talk about it. So once I got that meeting, Azul came with me to that meeting and that's when he brought my book. So it was great because I actually had the physical book to show Barnes and Noble, which was good. Uh, but I also just was in like Barnes and Noble pitch mode instead of like, oh, here's my book mode, you know? So I was like, I can't cry right before I'm about to go into a pitch meeting. So, so you, you, it's got nothing to do with corporate. It's just the local store, the local manager. Yes. And you were asking them to carry your book and do the book signing at the same time, right? Correct. You can order books in advance to certain locations and then whatever doesn't sell, they can return. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of. So it could happens. be a serious monetary investment. Correct. For sure. And they just um, want, in your pitch, they just kind of want you to convince them, correct me if I'm wrong, not necessarily if the book is amazing, but more so I'll bring people in your store to buy this. Correct. Yeah. That's the most important thing. They yeah. want They want book sales, right? At the end of the day, they want eyeballs on whatever else is in their store and your book. And the more books you sell, then the more likely it is that you are going to, they're going to carry your book in other locations of their stores. So, you know, that, that's another thing. If you're able to sell a lot of books in one location, then it gets the attention of other locations who then may want to start carrying your book. And when you have an indie publisher, who foots that bill? The publisher does? Honestly, do? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question because my book deal with the zeal azul is so unusual so no but i i like i don't the terms of my book deal are very specific to my relationship with him and our relationship together so i don't have an answer to that yeah and i'm sure it's different for everybody i mean i remember back in the day when pat flynn first self-published a book he said I want you to go into Barnes and Noble and ask them to order it because they didn't sell it in the store. And if enough people went into Barnes and Noble and asked for the order, then maybe they would 
order it for their store type of thing as a That's self that, that is an, Yeah, that for sure is another route that you can go 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so different now with, you know, like you don't need a traditional publisher and sometimes to get a traditional publisher, you need an audience. Like if you're not a celebrity and you have a great book, it's like, okay, but do you have people who are going to buy it? Like, it's very, it's a very tricky thing now. That's why I'm, I'm so fascinated by people like you who are just like, well, let's just do the damn thing. <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like, like you did the damn thing and then you hired somebody to do the damn thing strategically. And here we are. Yeah, no, it's true. But like you always said, though, invest in yourself. You, you know, in your podcast, you talk about this so much because you talk about how it really is about finding the right people to help you grow your business and not being afraid to make the investment. Yeah. Right. So you really have to invest in yourself. And if you're not willing to invest in yourself, whether that's monetary time or whatever, the likelihood of you being successful is very slim. Yeah, so yeah. It, it it is, it's work. They call it work for a reason. It could be fun <laughs> work, you know, fun. It's fun. I enjoy it, but it's work and it's time consuming. Yeah. And it can be scary for people, especially the monetary thing. Because like I said, you can put in all this time and money without really knowing what's going to happen at the end, if it's going to pay off or not. 100% that's true. But the good thing about that is that from each of those experiences, you still will always learn something. I mean, I, I had a co-working business, remember in LA. I remember. And when I had that business, that was a lot of financial investment, especially upfront, because we had a lease on a large space. And, you know, by the end, we kind of broke even, sort of broke even, you know, by the time I closed my business, but, you know, we lost a lot of money too. But I learned so much from that experience that for me, that, that money was like a education in business, right? It's the same as like paying for business school because of all the things I learned through that process and all the amazing connections I made, you know, having that business really opened up a lot of different doors that I would not have necessarily opened or known how to open. So as much as people do get very scared of making the financial commitment, you won't know until you try. And the worst thing that can possibly happen is you lose the money, which is not great, but But there's more out there to be made, right? There's more out there to be made and you will 100% gain something from the experience. For sure. It will put you in a position to understand how to do whatever it is you want to do a better way the next time and to use that experience as a way to maybe propel your career in a different direction. You have such a fabulous attitude. (laughs) You do. And I'm going to link to everything in the show notes for this episode, your Instagram, your Facebook, your website. And of course, the new mom code. This is her book, the new mom code shatter expectations and crush it at motherhood. It is available on Amazon. Now people can get on and order it. Now you can get it. What in Kindle hardcover paperback, all, all three. It's also is there an audio book bought Barnes and Noble presale as well. Ooh. The audio, the audio book is not available yet, but it, it will be coming down the line. Are you going to read it? 
that's the plan. I which like I'm excited it. about. I mean, no, I, feel I like- love that. I love it when the author reads the book. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think some authors though feel very uncomfortable getting in a recording studio, but you know, knowing our background, I would feel strange having <laughs> someone know. else record my book. That's true. And the topic of what it's about. It's hard to like hire a voiceover artist to do that as well. And like you could get paid to do that job author or not. So yeah, right. you have to read it. If you didn't read it, it would be odd. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> and because you are a beautiful model, we should have a video audiobook just to watch you. Oh my gosh, read the no book. one's gonna want to sit and watch me read this. <laughs> Who knows how many hours? Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, is there anything else you want to add that I should have asked? No, I think that was great. I mean, besides the fact that I'm super excited about this book, and I think it can be really impactful to a lot of moms. You know, I feel very thankful for you and for the opportunity to be on your podcast and to have you in my life. I can't believe that this is the first time you're on my podcast. Well, sometimes it takes a while for things to happen. That's okay. I guess time, but it's a, time it's is a right. damn good reason to have you on now. Right. The time, time is now. I had a really good reason to make it impact. The time is now. I'm also going to link to in the show notes to Azul's podcast episode. We keep talking about him and how the podcast episode that I sent you kind of sent you on, on this track. So I'm definitely going to link to that too. So if you are listening and you want to learn more, or you're thinking about writing or publishing a book um, and Hey, maybe you can go the same route Amanda did. I highly recommend it. He's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell Azul, we're just like plugging him in this this episode for sure. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Christina. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode. You will find that podcast that I did with Azul back in the day. You will find a link to Amanda's book, The New Mom Code, available on Amazon. And then you will find links to Amanda on social media where you can connect with her as well as her website. If you haven't already, make sure you tap that subscribe button. Follow me on social media at Christina All Day. And let me know what else you want to hear on the podcast on Become a Media Maven. I'd like to know. Do you have a guest idea? Do you have a show idea? Do you want to know something about me, my business, my home life? Let me know. I am at Christina All Day. And thank you so much for listening to this episode.